Well, I'm Connor, everybody, and welcome to Friends Stream Sports here tonight. We are very excited uh, to have you tonight. Rutledge will be on his way. There was just too much going on as it relates to sports, and Rutledge is so excited to get to join us here in a little bit when he gets going. But the show must go on, and our podcast slash Twitch stream notes always talk about the importance of starting your show on time. I'm a very timely person, and I think it's very important for us to continue to always work to start on time. So uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for coming out. Uh, we are very, very excited to get to have you here tonight. And, uh, you know, it, it's very what a fun time of the year as it relates to sports. You know, usually as spring goes to summer, you start to start to get a little sad, right? Yeah, basketball season's coming to an end. Uh, the football calendar just isn't shaping up to be what it needs to be. And now we get to have a very neat and a lot of fun time in our sports calendar here. So we're going to we're going to start out uh, talking about one of my favorite sports here while we wait for Rutledge to come and get to join us here this evening, and that is soccer. So uh, for those of you who might not know uh, the Champions League, and we're going to be talking about some more soccer here this evening, but uh, the Champions League uh, semifinal match, uh, first leg of the first game did happen today between Chelsea and Real Madrid. A uh, quick note there, a lot of fun that went down there was that uh, uh, Chelsea, number 10, Captain America in the flesh, Christian Pulisic came out, scored the first ever goal for a United States men's national team player in the Champions League semifinals. Only just in a couple minutes later, uh, for Kareem Benzema for Real Madrid to score that equalizer. So definitely uh, uh, ended up being a 1-1 draw, but Chelsea ending up with the away goal. Uh, yes, football for those in the chat room. Not football, but football. Football, if you will. Um, so definitely really excited to see how the end of Champions League shapes up. I think that uh, I think Real Madrid is going to have more of a impact they have more just impactful players uh and you know if we get if they get Sergio Ramos back I think that Real Madrid is going to uh crash their way into the finals and speaking of crashing their way in ladies and gentlemen boys and girls get ready to welcome the one and the only If my computer doesn't crash, Rutledge Boykin is here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. How are we doing? What is up, Connor? Good to see you, bud. I know last week you hung out with uh, Luke, friend of the show. You guys talk a lot of basketball. I know tonight we're still talking some basketball. What are we talking about first? Man, I was I was giving our viewers, our viewer, a quick rundown of Champions League. Uh, Real Madrid, 1-1 uh, draw versus Chelsea. Uh, Got to make that entrance, Rutledge. Uh, our next... Our next game tomorrow night, PSG versus Man City. Let it be known that my must of Champions League knockout stage is still in. Your must must be practicing their golf game. My bust was PSG. So it definitely shows that out of the strengths and the friends, you are the stronger friend. Uh, we got a couple of viewers out there. Want to give a shout out to Veneros. Our good friend Steven is already here with us live. Steven, we haven't seen you in a couple of weeks, but it's great to have you here. So very, very excited. So uh, the other soccer, just quick note I want to share. Uh, let it be known, Friendstream Sports will be uh, talking about Orlando City. Uh, Rutledge was at the opener for Orlando City versus Atlanta. Two games in, two draws in a row. Rutledge, give, give, us, 30 seconds on, uh, give us 30 seconds on that uh, season kickoff against Atlanta. Yeah, so we were there, and it was very evident that Orlando is a new team where coaches in the second year. Um, we kept some key pieces, but added some new players. 
He's very much following the same models he did when he was in Dallas. <clears throat> the big thing to consider for Orlando is I told some people Atlanta looked more organized. Orlando looked more talented, but they're just not organized yet. The soccer season is young. Um, of course, since Atlanta looked more organized, they have four points where Orlando has two. Atlanta's tied for first in the East where Orlando's not. We play Cincinnati this weekend. I will be there Saturday, May 1st at the Cincinnati game. So I'm That's very wonderful. excited. I'll be watching. And I, I hope that the offense for Orlando comes in how they – came to play against uh, Kansas City uh, with four goals or let Orlando scored being called off sides. Uh, definitely created chances, even without uh, Mauricio Pereira, our number 10. Uh, Rutledge, I was texting you that Ruan, our right back, and, and for at least for the first stretch of the game, was the most important offensive player for Orlando City. So excited for some reinforcements to come back with Pereira. Who knows if we're going to get DK back. Uh, Daryl DK keeps on scoring goals for Barnsley uh, in the championship. Hopefully we get him back. Uh, and Pato the Duck, uh, another big-time European signing that gets hurt immediately in MLS, but that's par for the course. That is. You know, that that's part of MLS. You bring in some really big names, but they are more apt to injury. I will always remember – the one time Connor and I did not have the take, and that was in the 2016 or 17 Orlando City home opener in Camping World Stadium. We watched Kaka go down together, and we both sat there silently. And then we still can't talk about it. We're just not okay. That was that was a shift. It was no happened. good. It was no good. But so there, there's a, a few quick soccer football takes for you this evening. Uh, Rutledge, we have a ton, ton, ton of sports to talk about here. You've been, you've been following the NBA with vigor, Rutledge. What are some of the top storylines you're following? So there's a lot going down on the NBA. For everyone out there, remember, we are May 18th is the start of the play-in tournament. So what that means is seeds one through six are going to be locked into where they're at, and then seeds seven through ten are playing in. Um, Connor and I are going to pick. There's a big game tonight out in the West with uh, the Mavs, who Connor has a lot of faith in, and the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors are actually 10th in the West, so they're really trying to turn the corner. But in the East, it's all about the top three teams of the Nets, the Sixers, and the Bucks. The Bucks and the Sixers clashed earlier this week. Um, the, the Bucks won, but there was no Joel Embiid and no Ben Simmons on the floor. So uh, we're starting to see that. The Sixers can be beaten if they don't have their stars, but that's been this year in the NBA. The stars get hurt and no one's able to come out there. Um, Connor, did you see who's in fourth place in the East? The Hawks are rising. Give us a little flap. Give our viewer a little flap. I don't think I'm going to flap. Give a little Hawk flap, Rutledge. I'm just going to, I will let, you know, I, I will say they won't be a flop instead of a flap. All right. But caca to the Hawk. Oh, flop. <laughs> that was you connor you know how much i love to rub things in your face on this show so real friends real sports real real grudges sometimes real grudges you know uh no i think the hawks have been playing well although um yeah what's interesting right the hawks have been taking the regular season very seriously the mm -hmm. suns have been taking the regular season very seriously and there's another team from another state that is taking the regular season very seriously and uh, I think that that's going to be uh, the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks have been playing well. Julius Randle is on a heater. Uh, if, uh, when, when the Hawks played the Knicks last week, the Hawks were grounded by the Knicks. Uh, Julius Randle did go off. But no, the Hawks have been playing well. I will say the thing to remember about the Hawks is that Trey Young, who's a star player in Atlanta, does have a level two high ankle sprain. He was not in on Monday. He's time to be out a little longer. Every team that's been on a run has had some star get hurt this year or missed time, but this is horrible timing for them as um, they're sitting out there. So we'll see how that works. I loved your take with Luke about the, the New York Knicks. And what did it cost for the Knicks to have a good season? The New York Yankees. So hot takes here on French Stream Sports. By the way, shout out to Daniel Mogg. Daniel Mogg is here. He's come out. The D-Mogg is in town. All right, so there's that. 
going on. Um, the Suns are hot in the West. Connor, where do you see them going into the playoff and finishing seed wise? You know, I, I'm I'm still seeing I'm still seeing the uh, the Suns. I think that they're going to come in, finish out as the two seed. I think that although they're a ton of fun to watch, I, I don't necessarily know if they're going to be uh, be able to get over. Uh, I don't know. I I I think that I Chris Paul has always been a ton of fun to watch and a really important player for teams that can't get over the hump. Uh, there's something about it. Chris Paul has a hard time getting over the hump. I think that there's going to be too many questions as it relates to other big men out West. Uh, you know, Rudy Gobert, uh, the Joker, uh, Nik- Nikola Jokic, um, you know, and, and as well as AD, if AD gets rolling in the Lakers, I just think that there's too many, too many big men and you got to deal with the Clippers, uh, you know, as well. And uh, the Clippers are doing a lot of really good things on offense. The Clippers are, watch out for my pun here, probably hotter on offense than the Suns are. You see what I did there? I, I did. Uh, I thought <laughs> but, you were going to make a haircut uh, joke. I thought it was going to be a haircut joke. Not a haircut joke, but um, yeah, no, I think the Suns are, are I think the Suns are going to kind of glide into the number two seed. They're going to make some noise in the playoffs. If they, if they lose in the first round, that will definitely be a, um, that will definitely be a surprise, but I, I, I would not. I'm kind of cool. I, I like I like watching the Suns, Rutledge, but I'm kind of cooling on the Suns. Okay, so it's you're definitely in the shade when it comes to the Suns. No doubt. You see, no what, doubt. You see what I did there? Did you see that? Quick little shout out. Uh, you know, DJ Mog here talking about the Magic. Shout out Orlando Magic not taking the season seriously. Um, I might always remember the trade deadline Thursday sitting at the table actually with friend of the show, Luke uh, and Luke just reading off headlines of Evan Fournier gets traded to Boston, the Boston Celtics for a Boston cream pie. Aaron Gordon gets traded for the nuggets for chicken nuggets. Uh, we do love nuggets Luke on this gets show traded to the bulls for Polish sausage. Uh, so yeah, no, there's, we've definitely seen uh, the teams that are in the Cade Cunningham sweepstakes and the teams that are trying to make a run. And uh, I think, that, I think this season will be a lot of fun as it finishes out. I, I really do too. Um, the magic, you know, we, I will stand on what we said earlier when it came down to us trying to figure out what they were going to do when they had injuries, they ended where they did. They made the bold move. Is it hard to watch as they're, you know, 18 and 43 and have one of the worst, records in the entire league and just selling tickets for whoever's coming to town yeah but they know what it is so we'll see how the nba breaks down steven brings up a good point as much as the hawks can be great uh they are an atlanta sports team and atlanta sports teams never seem to know how to finish case in point the atlanta braves the team of the 90s with just one championship the atlanta falcons i don't want to say anything more and uh Trey Young getting hurt at the wrong time. So Steven, I think you're onto something, but I think it, the, the Trey Young injury when it happened is just Atlanta Hawks solidifying they are where they are. Um, the only, uh, there's two other things I wanted to share with you tonight, Connor. So I watched a good argument and we talk about Chris Paul a lot on the show and he has over 10,000 assists. I watched a good conversation on ESPN tonight and that conversation was, should Chris Paul be in consideration for MVP? Now we know it's probably going to go to the Joker because of the wild, if not the Joker, it's going to go to um, Rudy Gobert or it's going to go to someone that's been having an out of their mind season. But Chris Paul has every team he's gone has gotten better and he's really making the Suns a contender. So what's your 32nd take on Chris Paul for MVP? You know, I think, I think if Chris Paul, Chris Paul, has a ton of value and sometimes the MVP voters forget about that term valuable uh, and most valuable player. And uh, you know, I, I think that, I mean, Chris Paul is not, he's probably the most valuable player on his team, but he's not the best player on his team uh, that would go to Devin Booker. And I think that that, that will uh, definitely hurt his chances of being uh, being an MVP I think I think this is the Joker's year to win it, especially if he keeps playing well and you know keeps the Nuggets at a respectable playoff spot. Yeah, I 
I don't think Chris Paul could win MVP because the argue, the MVP to me in basketball has to be contributions. But if Chris Paul wrote a book on leadership and how to build a culture of excellence, I want an autographed copy because every team he's ever been on has at least been in consideration to do something. So that's sort of everything we're breaking down in our first quarter. And now it's going to get into we have, because we're face-to-face, -face, having a face-off, Connor and I are having two big debate topics tonight. We're going to have two possible friend arguments. We could even have a breakup, which is a friend breakup, but we're going to get into our first one of the evening. Our big one tonight is we're going to take five NFL draft prospects that are um, big names. They're not quarterbacks and they're not defensive, but we're going to take five. We're going to take five players. We're going to sit there and we're going to give them a power rankings of one through five. And then, I, and then give our own take of why we gave them the ranking that we did. Stay tuned for our halftime hot take coming up later this half, this Tuesday on Twitch, on Friendstream Sports, because we're going to then once again talk about these draft prospects. So, Connor, who are the players we're talking about? Yep, and I'm going to put this into the chat here for everyone to take a look at. But in essence, what we're doing is we're doing a fun little thought exercise of picking five offensive skill players that should be first-round picks. And we're saying who's going to be the most impactful player when they get drafted. So we're going to, we're talking, Kyle, we're going to rank in order, Kyle Pitts, Jamar, uh, tight end for Florida, Jamar Chase, uh, wide receiver for LSU, Jalen Waddle, wide receiver for Alabama, Devontae Smith, Heisman winner, wide receiver for Alabama, and Najee Harris, running back for Alabama. So a lot of Crimson Tide, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, lot of SEC flavor, but the idea here is just to kind of, kind of think about, okay, who's going to actually make a good impact in the NFL? So I'm going to put this in the chat and Rutledge, why don't you kick us off? Who, who are, who are you? Let's start from the bottom. Who are you rating as number five? We'll go with who I'm rating for number five. Um, I want to say hi to all of our viewers that are out there and please make sure that you participate with where you would rank these people in the chat as well. So that's the thing why Connor and I are always on Twitch and Tuesdays at eight is we want to interact with you live. We want to talk to you. So we want to hear your ratings. Uh, no, Steven, it's not just Alabama. It's not all Alabama players, but they are all out of the SEC. Um, my number five is, my number five is going to be Jamar Chase. And um, I'm going to quote Herm Edwards on this one is you play to win the game. Jamar Chase opted out of last year, and I don't disrespect his decision. You know, 2020, especially coming into football season, we had, are we going to have a season? Are we not going to have a season? How do you protect yourself? But everything that, they've, that we've talked about and every article you read really aids back to how good Jamar Chase was um, with the LSU championship team and Joe Burrow. I will, I will personally go out there and say that LSU championship team and Joe Burrow is going to be one of those teams that you just remember forever. They were monsters. They were an absolute unit, which is why in the Superdome against Clemson, they made Clemson look like they weren't even any good. So I understand resting on past laurels, but football is a game of physical skill. And I liken it to, you know, dancing. You got to practice. And I'm sure he's working out. And I'm sure he's being out there, but there are small things that you have to be able to use. Um, being a wide receiver, I still think if he is a talented, he could go the first round if he still has his speed. But, you know, what's your body work been like during the downtime? How do you work your feet? One of the wide receivers who was best on his feet was Ocho Cinco, Chad Johnson, who used to stay his routes to his opponents and then just out juke them because of his physical intangibles. So, I don't think you can take a year off as, and I know once again, I respect your decision. If you want to protect yourself, that's fine, but I'm not ranking you as my number one of all of these potential first round picks of your biggest impact where I'm sure you have the work ethic Jamar and I'm sure you're going to crush it, but I think there's other wide receivers that are going to make a bigger impact faster because they've been in the game. So I'm putting him at five. Oh, good pick. We, we haven't disagreed yet. Uh, I too am going Jamar Chase, number five. I think uh, for for one of the main reasons, Rutledge, why you said, I think that, you know, football is about overcoming adversity. And, you know, for a, 
for a position often, you know, especially receiver, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to use the term dime a dozen, but the receiver position definitely doesn't have uh, the value of even, you know, an edge rusher uh, or a tackle, let alone a quarterback. Although tackles aren't traditionally ranked, you know, drafted very high. Uh, I think there will be some offensive linemen drafted in the first round this year, but no, I, I mean, I, I think that um, with the dearth of talent that is also available, you have to put Jamar Chase at five because there will be a game where there will be adversity for him to, to have to overcome. And um, look, I still think he's a first round player, but um, if you're, you're, you're having to, you know, really do some fine, fine tooth combing here. And I think you have to talk about intangibles. And to me, um, you know, I, I put Jamar Chase at number five, uh, kind of for, um, you know, uh, for saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to skip this season. Um, it is totally in his right to do that, but it's also totally within every team's right to not pick a player if they wanted to skip the season. Yep. So, you know, you we'll see where he goes and we'll see what gets him. I would love to, like you said, the adversity. What's it going to be like when he faces that Hall of Fame quarterback and someone that absolutely challenges him all day long? How is that Sunday at the office? Okay. Number four, Connor. And here we go. This is where it could start to get dicey. My number four is Alabama wide receiver Jalen Waddle. Here's why I have Jalen Waddle. Now, we know he missed a lot of the season because of a fractured ankle. And you can rebound from that, like we've seen with Tua Tugavailoa. Um, he was in the national championship game and still a little hurt. Where he's being really looked at is his punt return skills. And I think that he's flexible and versatile. I think he's going to make some good things. Great returners are really fun to watch. I find myself of any time like a, a primetime punt return video comes through, I just have to stop and watch it. Or if Devin Hester videos come on and I see them, I have to stop and watch like, how long is this? 15 minutes of Devin Hester running back kicks? This is what we're going to do for 15 minutes. It's fun to watch as a fan. I'm sure it's valuable as a coach, but you have more regular offensive plays than you do special team plays. In the case of being a part of Alabama, these Alabama teams were so stacked and last year's Alabama team was so stacked that everybody looked really, really good because they're all being evaluated as very high talent. But I think it was the good pieces echeloned up the other pieces. So I think he'll be okay, but we don't look at Devin Hester receiving tape. We look at his return tape. So I don't, I, you know, Deion Sanders, you look at both. That was Deion Sanders. So I think he will make an impact in the return game and someone will take him for special teams, but you need, you only get 53 players and you need him to um, jump in, but I don't see him as a wide receiver one. That's a tough take for a guy who is, has grown to love watching Henry Ruggs the third play football for the Las Vegas Raiders, another home run threat. Uh, I, for my number four, uh, me and Veneros, we, we are, we're agreeing here. I'm, I'm going Najee Harris, number four. Uh, I think that, uh, here's why actually, when you're looking at, uh, when you're looking at teams and draft selections and, and places and things like that, I think that if the Patriots stay at number 15, Najee Harris could be a nice fit in New England. Uh, they had a bunch of players that got, um, that got, you know, on defense that sat out 2020. They're getting all those players back. Sony Michelle has a banged up knee. They're going to be, Patriots are going to be looking for offensive weapons. Uh, traditionally, they've never gone big on, you know, whenever they've drafted wide receivers high, those don't usually pan out. Um, you know, even I found it really interesting Najee Harris last year was he had 43 catches for 425 yards, which means works out to about 9.9 yards a catch on an average. He nearly got a first down every time he caught the ball wow. and was a running back. So definitely, I think very impactful. Um, now I think that just the running back position 
uh, you know, we'll, we'll work him down the chart a little bit, but I think Najee Harris has uh, some opportunity to make some impact immediately uh, in that Patriot system as, as you know, the Patriots have Cam Newton another year and going to be running the football more. Okay. Well, I have Najee Harris at three and I didn't know we were going to get so dicey as much. And I'm going to quote a quote that you're going to hear any football fan ever say all the time, run the ball. Think about no matter where you are, someone's yelling, run the ball in every single stadium or yelling a running back's name. You can never go wrong with taking a running back. Now, the fact that Najee Harris is so flexible, let's look back to the Super Bowl. Leonard Fournette was a threat in the backfield, but he was also a good extra receiving threat for Tom Brady to dump off to. Shaq Barrett has helped the Giants from being even more of a disaster because of how flexible he is. So I have him, him at three. While this is not the power run downhill league of the 90s, the mid early 2000s, um, the, you know, the think about um, Todd Gurley, think about Marshawn Lynch, while they're not as dominant because they get hit so much because systems adapt and they're not as lengthy i think a flexible running back can do really well and Najee harris wasn't all the time a run downhill i would say that for an alabama running back he really showed that steve sarkeesian and nick saban were doing different things that he was a little lighter and a little faster so i'm taking him at three for his flexibility and for his value that he really made an impact for Alabama, and I think he's going to be able to bounce around the NFL really well. Nice, nice. Oh, run, RTDB, no doubt, no doubt. Um, my number three, I'm actually, I'm actually going. Here's going to be a little controversy here. Uh, I'm going Devonte Smith. Uh, Devonte Smith, number three really? for me. Yeah, right. Um, you know, I, I think what's hard is. What's hard is the, the um, one of the things that impressed me so much about Devonte Smith that had me put him at number three above Jamar Chase and Najee Harris. I remember watching in the national championship game. I mean, Devonte Smith is such a good route runner uh, that he. I mean, he was getting wide open in, in the middle of the field, right? Not you know they Alabama could scheme so much for Devonte uh, Devonte Smith. I think that that's awesome. I think since the Dolphins didn't trade for Tua, or the Dolphins didn't trade Tua for Deshaun Watson, uh, which um, apparently, you know, there's some rumor that that was in the works as of a few weeks ago, not anymore. Uh, <laughs> but I think that Devontae Smith could be a big impact kind of guy in Miami and uh, being able to do that right out of the shoots with Tua more more so from the standpoint of they've played in they've played in very similar systems you get two guys together kind of the same reason why folks are saying Jamar Chase might get drafted by the Bengals because he played with Joe Burrow so um yeah uh I, I'm gonna save why my number two player is my number two player but Devontae Smith's number one or number pardon me Devontae Smith is number three Devontae Smith is number is number three of your best impacts. And wow, I can't believe we're both seeing these people so differently. Because I have my Devontae Smith as number two. And let's, let's not decrease what happened. He won the Heisman Trophy as a wide receiver in a quarterback-driven sport with Trevor Lawrence out there who could have easily swooped it away, who has had an incredible college career. He's incredible. Now, I will say... People say, well, let's put it at Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian's offense and the recruiting, recruiting they did at Alabama this year was magical. Why? Because Sharkeesian, as I like to spell him, got himself hired at Texas, and he's been given the reins to a big job. And I wish him all the best. It's a huge rebound story for someone that can do really well. But I don't think it's that Sharkeesian made Smith look good. I think it's Sharkeesian used Mac Jones, and Smith made Mac Jones look good. I, if Mac Jones was on here, wouldn't even have him in the top five because I, de I don't think Mac Jones is going to be a very good NFL quarterback. I think he's coming out too soon, just had one year of starting, and it had the world on him. Hot take on Mac Jones. But um, he is 
one big thing for Smith, as you think about it, in the SEC, he was the history of having multiple games with four touchdowns in a defense-driven league where all you hear is defense, defense, defense. And the SEC record for receiving touchdowns, which was 46. The previous one was 15, and he was a factor from all of his um, time. Let's not remember. Now, would it be great to see him linked up with Tua? I think so, because one of Tua's touchdown passes during his backup start against the University of Georgia in the championship game was to Devontae Smith. But I think he has high value. He has high work ethic. And he's even come out because people are bashing his size. And he said, you know, we're not, to paraphrase, and we're not bodybuilders, we're not anything else. I'm a football player. If you need me to be a football player, I'm going to be a football player because that's who I am. I think today's league is about how fast you can get in front of the other opponent and how much physicality you have. And I think he has a lot of the pieces to make that work. So I value him a lot. Mm. And he's valuable. He's yeah, valuable, that's why he's number two. He's that valuable. Well, I will take your Devontae Smith at two and trade you for Jalen Waddle. I think Jalen no. Waddle is going to have bigger impact right out of the shoots than Devontae Smith. Um, and here's the thing. We talk about how great all the Alabama, all the Alabama players are, and they are all great. I think that, you know, I, I posted, um, I posted today, Colin Cowherd had a, had a, uh, a segment that I commented on on YouTube and it was, you know, taking the top five quarterbacks and it was, what would their movie be? And I said, I said, Mac Jones would be Captain America and Avengers Endgame. Held his weight a little bit, but like definitely got, uh, definitely got help from his supporting cast. Like you can't say he didn't and the franchise as a whole. Here's the thing about Jalen Waddell. When he was on the field for Alabama, in lieu of, I mean, a intergalactic amount of stars, Jalen Waddell still looked different than everybody else. He looked, he looked like a man among, not just a man among boys, he looked like a titan among men. And I think that, uh, you know, we talk about analytics a lot and getting open and this, that, and the other. And, you know, Nick Saban, Nick Saban's not going to have slouches uh, you know, come play football for him. So, you know, he's got, you know, you know, he's able to pick up offense and things like that, but to be able to stand out that much as it relates to a lot of other NFL talent, I think is going to translate really well and shows that Jalen Waddle is going to have an immediate impact probably for the Bengals. I will give you the Jalen Waddle. So you think that the Bengals are going to take Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle? I think that the I, I think that the Bengals are going to take Waddle. All right, I think the Bengals are going to take Chase. Pardon me. Uh, although I think Jalen Waddle is going to have a bigger impact than uh, than Jamar Chase. I will definitely say if there's anything for Jalen Waddle, I'm not changing my pick on him. But if there's anything for him that he doesn't have with Devonte Smith, is that there's no heat on him. He was. You know, he was in the part of the team, he was there, but there's not going to be as much heat on him to perform. All the lights are not going to be on him as what Devontae Smith does at camp with being one of the rookies coming up. But that leads to our number one, and we've all named a bunch of players, but we're both missing one. So, Connor, I'm assuming, unless you're going to go weird on me and say Mac Jones, that we both agree with the best non-quarterback offensive player in this draft is Kyle Pitts. Yeah, Kyle Pitts, uh, Rutledge, I'll, I'll let you pontificate, but I'll read a couple stats here. Um, timed for a you 4-4 know, in the 40, broad jump of 10 foot, 9 inches, a 22 and a half inch vert, uh, wingspan of 83 inches. That 83 inch wingspan was the longest of any tight end in the past 20 years. As a, as a, um, as a, a comparison, Travis Kelsey was a 4'6", 340, a 10, 3 broad jump. Travis Kelsey beat uh, Kyle Pitts on the vertical, but had an 80-inch wingspan. I think tight end is a, um, if, you get, if you get the tight end position right, that can really, really, really stress a defense. And I mean, this, this guy seems to have all the measurables and is a dang good football player. So Rutledge, Get, give us, I, I gave the stats, you give us the color, fill it in for us. We're so opposite. Is that because Kyle Pitts paid, played for Florida and you just can't show love to a Gator even after they're done and on their way? I did just show love to Kyle Pitts. I know you showed, you 
I will pontificate for you, Connor. So here's the thing about Kyle Pitts that I know Connor and I agree on is um, he's very much being touted as just one of those once in a lifetime, or if not just very, very good tight ends. And I will take and pick up what you said and agree. The tight end position is special because if you think about a quarterback, I heard we'll quote, I heard someone say once in a conversation, rookie quarterbacks like to throw their tight ends because they're in the middle of the field a lot and they don't have to stretch of what they see. If you really think about and look back on some teams, some Super Bowl runs are all with really good tight ends. Tom Brady had Gronk. The Chiefs had Travis Kelsey. Even Zach or Zach Ertz was on the Eagles when they made their run. You know, um, Tony Gonzalez was on the Falcons when they at least got to the championship game. Uh, Drew Brees had Connor Helmet just blanked on who Drew Brees had forever in New Orleans, who was his very famous tight end. Oh, that was uh, not Greg Olson. Uh, he, oh, why am I blanking on him? Uh, he, went, he went to Miami. He I played know. basketball. If you know it, or Steven, I know you're out there dropping the chat. New Orleans Saints tight end. Left to get some contract money, bounced around to Seattle. Is in one, I think he's still in Green Bay. Yes. But you know what I'm talking about. So my point of it all is, is that uh, the tight end position is very special. So Kyle Pitts is going to be very special. And whoever gets him is going to really have a weapon that hopefully he lands in a fran- there's franchise that will use him well. There's a lot saying Atlanta. And Atlanta is really trying, but they seem to only really like to put their talent on the receiver position. Now I think they're not going to leave Matt Ryan and I don't think they need to, but we'll see if he doesn't get squandered in his time in Atlanta. Mm. So Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, chomp, chomp for Kyle Pitts, Connor. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to the world famous never duplicated possibly imitated halftime hot takes here on friend stream sports this tuesday on twitch with connor and rutledge as we talk about things in the nfl draft and it's coming up soon in the next half the super league okay connor i want your hot take if you were a jersey guy out of all the people that are coming out of this draft including the ones that we talked about whose jersey are you buying to like go like this is my next thing in my wardrobe Oh, if I see, here's the thing was it relates to jerseys. I'm such a, I'm like a throwback. I'm a, I'm a weird Jersey kind of guy. Um, so, I mean, I would, I would want to, I would want to pick, um, I would want to pick the, um, the first offensive lineman taken in the draft, whoever that is, I want his Jersey. Isn't that going to be payway out of Oregon? Isn't Could very it? well be. I want, I'm going to want his Jersey and like a, like a regular size Jersey. I want the, I want the nine XL that looks more like a dress on me than an actual Jersey, uh, like a night shirt kind of situation. So nice. that's who I want. Um, whoever that is, send me your Jersey. I'll wear it with pride. Well, we're not going to get Jimmy Graham jerseys because we couldn't name him earlier, but Jimmy Graham was the same oh, tight end I was talking about. He was so good. He was. Um, you know, I would have to say if I was going to pick a player for their jersey of someone I think is going to be really good in this draft, I know I just talked about him, but I would go with Kyle Pitts. Is that he's going to be just someone that you're going to root for on Sunday. You're not going to see any of the camera always on him, but when he's going to make plays, it's going to be cool. You know, I'm like you. I uh, When it comes for me for buying jerseys, I always get kind of stickler on buying them because the one year I've wanted a Russell Wilson jersey was this year well we still don't have a contract but the dialogue stopped but there's a lot of tension so I had a bad playing my first ever hockey jersey I bought in Canada right after I bought Alexander McGillany's jersey as a kid he got traded the very next season and you're just you're there at the game you're in his shirt he's not there just no no this is why I rep the 12s 12s never go out of style. Rep those 12s, my man. All right, man. Connor, that was I our like my soccer jerseys with the collars on them, with no names and the collars. Collar for a dollar. Collar for a dollar. But speaking of soccer jerseys, Rutledge, uh, thank you, thank you for uh, sharing the halftime hot takes. I saw a great quote from uh, Ricky Kaká. Former Orlando City player, 
former AC Milan player, which we're going to be kind of touching on AC Milan here uh, very, very briefly, but as they were one of the teams that was going to be in the Super League, uh, Ricky Kaká recently said, when my kids grow up, I don't want them to care or know so much that I was once considered the greatest footballer in the world. I want them to know me as the greatest father in the world. So uh, Ricky Kaká always saying the right teams at the right time, right things at the right time. Connor, is this you live announcing on the show that you're going to be a father? Is that, is that what's happening right now? No, 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 no. Connor's are, having kids. Could be a segment. Are, Connor's kid. We are still just the two, just the three of us with Roro. All Ronan. Okay. I'm so beautiful quote. Great player. I'm slightly disappointed. I was really looking forward to Connor and the kid as the segment. Connor and the kid. French Stream Sports has a hard out time of baby's bedtime. Now it's Connor and the kid. Yes. So, but as we, <laughs> as we enter into our the third quarter, Rutledge, um, and, uh, you know, what, what I can do, I can just share, you know, real briefly um, a little bit of the background on, on the Super League. Uh, you might have heard about that within, within, the sporting world in the past couple of weeks, um, in essence, what was kind of tried to put together behind closed doors was uh, some of the top 15 teams from Europe, uh, England, kind of the big five leagues of Europe. So England, France, Spain, uh, Germany, and Italy. And what they were going to do was create a 15-team league and then invite five more to kind of do a little bit of promotion and relegation every year and have their own Super League. The main reason for that Super League was to be able to uh, fight for larger, more lucrative TV contracts, right? Champions League has pretty, you know, pretty good-sized TV contracts, but, but it is kind of hard uh, because they don't play a ton, ton, ton of games. Uh, TV money gets spread probably a little too thin, especially with those teams that qualify at the very beginning. Um, and I mean, now in America with Champions League on CBS uh, and CBS not wanting to be a good streaming uh, partner with a lot of folks, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of tough to watch things like that. So a couple of weeks ago, a bunch of teams got together and said, hey, we're going to create a Super League. Uh, you're looking at Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Tottenham, Atletico, Barcelona, Real Madrid, AC Milan for Kaká, uh, Inter Milan, and Juventus. Um, and it, it, you know, just caused controversy because it really felt like a corporatization of soccer. Um, soccer is very corporate as it is right now, but it kind of really felt like it was taking the game out more so from the fans uh that's at least from the fans perspective so um that's a little bit of the background it seems like it's not going to work it seems like it's in disarray uh not going to launch before it even got off the ground but rutledge give us give us your quick take on on what you think about the super league could it have worked things like that yeah so i want to mention some other things especially for we know that we are a show listen to uh in many different countries. And I wanna share for a lot of our, especially American viewers who don't follow the, the, the beautiful game or, foot, or football as it's called, proper football as a good friend of mine calls it. This leaves out some other countries. If you notice that those teams are only from three countries, they're from England, they're from Spain, and they're from Italy. No teams from Germany were participating. Um, FIFA actually came out and say, if you played in the Super League, you wouldn't be allowed to play in the Euro tournament or on the World Cup, and no teams from France were participating. So Bayern Munich, which has been one of the greatest teams recently and had just been a powerhouse, wouldn't have been in the Super League, even though that's they what got, the Super League They got League offered was. to be in the Super League. Right, and they said no. They turned it down, yep. Um, Bundesliga together, which is the league in Germany, altogether turned it down because Dortmund was considered as well. PSG, or Paris Saint-Germain, is not in the was not in the Super League and they're currently in the semifinals for the Champions League. So my take on it here is, you know, if you look at it, so there's there's two ways to look at it. Pat McAfee did a video and we like Pat McAfee on this show and 
talk about him a little bit. He did a video when he first came out and he heard about this and he was like, oh, let's go boys, which is a quote he always says, like, let's go boys, let's put it together. This is gonna be great, these monster teams. And he said he got buried on Twitter and actually talked about it the next day on his show to kind of put out there that he didn't understand what was going on. On the flip side of that, James Corden, during his monologue on the Late Late Show, took 10 minutes out of the showtime to say how absolutely offended he was because the mindset of proper football is totally different than an American sports team. The Super League to me felt like the NFL. We're gonna take teams, we're gonna put them in there, we're gonna put well-known name brands that I know I could walk into a jersey shop with you as you've shopped for your polos, Connor, and pick out all the jerseys and look at which ones are which. You know, they're big name teams that are recognizable, it would garner world attention, but for these franchises that exist of hundreds of years, that's not what this is all about. And I'll give um, a good example to someone I saw take a slab at this. So in the Premier League, uh, the team that I kind of follow and has my heart is the Wolverhampton Wanderers or the Wolverhampton Wolves, who they make a good run on their Twitter they proclaim themselves the Premier League champions for 2018, 2019. Because if these other teams could proclaim themselves to be top level teams that are most important in the world, and some of these like Arsenal haven't been very dominant, Tottenham's been okay. Um, it really kind of offended everybody. So I think the idea is very, it's very American and it's just not what sports are about across the pond. You know, in the States, we would have been, we would have loved it, if it happened with us, if we reorganized MLS, but across the pond, it's just not what they're about. Your team represents your city. And since they don't have as many large professional sports, that's your identity. So that's my take on the Super League, what I thought about it. And uh, I wasn't surprised it it crumbled. I was surprised it crumbled as fast as it did, though. It went down quick. Yeah, you know, and I, I think that, you know, Rutledge, you talk about, okay, we would have done this like the NFL. I don't think in some ways it's like the NFL. It would have been like the NFL if you would have just had the Patriots and the Cowboys and the Seahawks and, you know, the Saints say, we're just going to play each other throughout the course of the season. And you got fans in Cleveland that are saying, are you kidding? What makes you any better than us? Uh, I think that you've got a lot of pride as it relates to these teams that weren't super league invitees. And the other thing that is so critical as it relates to uh, soccer or proper football is uh, that promotion and relegation element. Uh, not that Man United, you know, if Man United actually were to have gotten relegated, I mean, that's, you know, that would turn the world upside down. Uh, you know, Bar Bar if Barcelona is playing in La Liga League Two next year, you know, that's, that's wildness, but there is always that potential to get relegated, um, which makes soccer a ton of fun. I wish MLS would put promotion relegation in. So I think that, so I think that uh, these teams, you know, it felt like number one, you were ripping part of that soul and that culture out of, uh, out of these leagues, especially in England uh and, and i'm sure in other places too we just probably can identify with england the most um and, but then number two you know it felt a little phony because it lacked that promotion and relegation element to it i will say that something else to consider for all of our listeners out there is a lot of the owners of these clubs i think it was especially in the uk or in england they're american so not understanding that culture of the sport really impacted. The owner for Liverpool was actually American. He issued a very strong public apology for even talking about the idea of the Super League and wanting to make the club right. Okay, so Connor, we've talked about Super League. We've given our takes. It's obviously not happening, but our favorite sport on this show is college football. Now, college football, of course, moved away, moved away from the BCS to the college football playoff, but I kind of want to see do we feel like the CFP, the college football playoff, I want your take on this. Is it really sort of kind of not self-proclaimed Super League, but is it shoving college football into a Super League almost status? Yes. Uh, I mean, yes and no. I mean, it, it, you've got 
Um, I think that yeah, Alabama. If anything, the 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 t the money that has been funneled into the SEC has has created the Super League, right? Uh, I think that the this I think that the TV contracts around the big the big conferences and the BCS you not BCS games, but the New York New Year Six bowl games and the Big Ten networks and all these network dollars, you know, I mean that that's feeding so much of this stuff. Uh, now I think also in the same way that. Uh, you know, the AFC North to go back to the NFL just for a second. I mean, fan, fans of the Baltimore Ravens probably care a whole lot more about the Baltimore Ravens than the U- University of Maryland Terrapins. Uh-huh. Uh, Baltimore Ravens are a pretty dang good franchise that gets run pretty dang well. Alabama football, people in Alabama care about Alabama football. Uh, so I think that you have an emphasis piece there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that the Super League in some ways is already happening and the playoff, the college football playoff is more of a, um, it's more of the proof positive, if you will, uh, because we're seeing so many teams in it year in, year out, especially these last four or so years with seeming Ohio State, Alabama and Clemson every year uh, in that playoff. Yeah, I think you've touched on TV money very well. The biggest TV money move, in my opinion, was Rutgers joining the Big Ten, which besides a couple of years of Greg Schiano, and you think about what the Big Ten is supposed to represent as a conference, these big schools in America, Rutgers was very obviously brought in for New York TV money and get that type of exposure. But to your point about professional sports, college football regionally is cared about differently. We think what the CFP is doing is, while we don't have a super league, since the CFP is repeating, it's creating a divide. And I liken to watching college football on a Saturday in my house. I'll sit down. I'm a Georgia Southern alumni. We play in the the Sun Belt. You know, we play in the college football level, right? The best team in the conference is App State. They'll get in the 20 rankings. I'll watch that game. And then that will go off. And then I'll watch whatever the CFP storyline game is. And my wife will say to me, why are you watching, as an example, why are you watching Clemson play Florida State? You don't really care about Florida State. You don't really like Clemson. Like, you're not drawn to these schools. Why are you watching? Like, well, this has national implications. So it feels in a way college football is moving into a tale of two leagues. Um, Give another hometown example for us. We talk about UCF all the time. And, you know, go Knights. But UCF couldn't quite end their prime where they were seeing their dip and they're on their third coaching change they couldn't quite nail up into the playoff and just jump into that elite even though they were doing everything they could in their league and outside of their league they declared themselves national champions i mean that's kind of like the super league it's very super league that is very did we just did we just create a verb you just super leagued you are so super leaguing tonight (laughs) there you go Creating words here on friend stream sports. Uh, no, yeah, I think, um, yeah, you're, you, it's very interesting, right, to see um, uh, even yeah, even at the division. I think about Wheaton, so it's a little different on the D three level, but that D one level of, you know, Georgia Southern. You know, if they've got a noon kick, but then the eight o'clock game is, you know, USC Oregon. Um, in the same way, right, that that first game of the day might be you know, Southampton versus Burnley, but, you know, Man City versus Liverpool is that night. So you might watch, you might watch uh, Southampton Burnley from your house, but then you go to the pub for Man City Liverpool, um, you know, to, to, to keep it real. So, um, you know, I think um, it is sort of sucking a little bit of the juice out from everybody to get put into a, just a few top teams um you know and, and it, it's sort of positioning those top teams as always getting the eight o'clock kicks granted they are winning so they should there's a little bit where they should get those prime time kicks and things like that but um no i think i think being able to uh create a um man i, I put promotion and relegation into a lot of things here sports wise in america uh potentially even college football I want to hear that. Hold on to that promotion relegation thing. But Connor, I want your take on this thought really quick. So college football, 
and the way that we embrace it, that my team, we love our big school teams, right? The University of Georgia, Florida, Florida State, Tennessee. There's, um, there's plenty of other schools in that area, but we identify with our big school teams. Do you think if the big school teams joined together, would American fans react the way the same way that European fans did? Or would we be more about it as we live in a world that's bigger, faster, stronger, I dominated you more, you know, um, I'm sure every Alabama fan loves that they've beaten the life out of Notre Dame twice, even though in other countries, that much of a destruction would be considered unsportsmanlike. So how do you think Americans would take a Super League in college football? You know, I, I could see, I could see um, the interest. I think that, I think that we'd embrace it better in college football because we already have non-conference and strength of schedule become such a thing. What I think would happen though, would be, you would see a shifting in recruiting. So uh, other players would go, cause you have some four-star players that will go to maybe not the best team or the best conference, but they know that they're gonna put up good numbers, you know, and not have necessarily the murderers row week in, week out. Um, I mean, I, I, that's a thing in recruiting that happens. Um, you know, so I think that you, you have a little, little bit of that. I think, yeah, I think we'd embrace that maybe a little bit better. Um, I think that you, I think that that would definitely create controversy as it relates to any sort of national champion, because if you're in the super league, you know, you're, you could be the third best team in the super league, the college football super league, but then get, you know, say, Oh, well, we're better than everybody else just because we've, by virtue of we, we play in the super league. So we play a tougher schedule. So I think it would cause, I think that we'd embrace it better, but it wouldn't necessarily like make us feel better about ourselves. You know what I mean? I, I agree with that. I think it's all kind of come to um, the college football playoff right now. I will say is broken. Four teams doesn't seem to make sense. Even Steven dropped in the content, the content, there should be 10 teams, which, you know, a three versus a 10, is a very different game that could go very sideways just because of the talent level in the game that it is. Um, I want to give what I would put together for a super league, Connor, get your take. And then I want us to quickly end on maybe you've pitched this to me, but I want you to share with our listeners of what relegation and promotion in college football would look like. Cause I want to just get that chatter started. So if I created a 15 league super team, here are the teams that I would put in it. And this is the this is also including that it would have the 20, um, as said in the other in the other actual European Super League. But my 15 guaranteed every years are Alabama, LSU, Florida, Georgia, Auburn, Tennessee, then Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Oregon, Oklahoma, Texas, Clemson, Florida State, and then Notre Dame. So. I would be if I made a super team, the other five seeds through playing the Super League games would be the non-Power 5 conferences. Their champions would be able to come in and play against these teams. Connor, who would you, out of all those teams, would you change any? Yes. Well, first off, you, you closed it even more than the regular Super League. Uh, but, you know, what about Miami? What about Miami? Uh, what about trade, you know, and here's the, here's the thing that's kind of interesting, at least for the conversation's sake, you trade out Miami for Oregon, right? And you could have a ton of conversation of why, why Miami or shoot, trade Miami out for Florida State. And you'd have Florida State people say, man, why would you trade Miami out for Florida State? You know, you could talk about all the comparable, comparableness there, right? Where's Nebraska, right? Nebraska is probably a lot more like the AC Milan that just by their name recognition made it into the, the soccer, you know, proper football super league. So mm -hmm. um, that's the hard part. I think with a super league type format is um, you make it too big and everybody, you know, folks are going to feel left out that have some actual beef, if you will. I definitely, I was expecting to have some controversy especially on my uh, on a couple of my team takes of who I left out. I will say the one that is a Super League name alone team, I believe is Notre Dame, while a good program, that is a name recognition because of how up and down they were for so many years. It's just a tradition. 
So Connor, really quick, as we're getting through our show tonight, if you were to put relegation in college football, how would it work? I hope the college football playoff committee is listening. I hope Kirk Herbstreit is listening to me. I hope uh, any, I hope Colin Cowherd, Joel Klatt, I hope they're all listening to me because I, I, I'm about ready to make a lot of sense here. Uh, and to create more parity within division one, I, I don't think we need to like do the whole 300 teams, whatever. And that's being a division three guy. Um, you got the group of five conferences and you got the power of five conferences, right? And I think that how fun would it be to have, to kind of pair up the group of five conferences with the power five conferences uh, and, and to create a little bit of promotion and relegation. So you, you've got, uh, you know, the American Athletic Conference, you know, maybe with the ACC, right? So when UCF runs the table that next year, they got Clemson on their schedule, not as a bowl game, but in the regular season. Um, and with that comes the TV rights and the money and everything that, that is involved with playing in the ACC. I think you've got, you do that, you could do, you know, the SEC with the Sun Belt, you know, App State would be in the SEC East that next year and they'd have to play Georgia and Florida and uh, Kentucky's, Kentucky's not a bad team anymore by any stretch of the imagination. They, they can play some ball. You know, you got your Mountain West and the Pac-12, you got the MAC and the uh, the Mac and the big 10, you know, you've got, uh, probably conference USA and the big 12, you know, being able or, uh, conference USA. Yes. Big 12. I think that, yes. And, uh, I think that that paired everybody up properly, but yeah, I think being able to, I think that'd be a really fun way to, to create a little more intrigue and those games at the end of the season in the same way, that soccer games or proper football games at the end of the season, there's, there's always teams that are fighting for stuff. That's always a fun thing in May. You'll hear Saturday mornings folks saying, out of the 15 games we have on slate today, one doesn't really matter as it relates to seeding, whether or not it's for European spot, whether or not it's for Champions League spot, the title or promotion or relegation. So I would think that that'd be a ton of fun and create a lot more buzz as it relates to college football. I love the idea of it. Steven actually dropped it in the comments before you even started. So it could work out. I think it'd be very interesting to see how the American fan would react to that because how many college football games have you watched of bad teams? And I am a fan of sometimes bad teams to where the stadium is empty. So imagine, I love your- Imagine that Duke Georgia Tech game and the loser goes to the American Athletic Conference next year. That would be, the emotions would be massive. So- yes. I, I, I love the idea. Um, I, I hope those people that are watching this highlight on our YouTube channel for this section about college football relegation, because it's very searchable. You subscribe to our channel. You come watch us live on Twitch on Tuesday at eight. You give a thumbs up to Connor who cuts our clips, the whole thing. Well, Connor, that's our show for tonight. I want to wrap it up with picks and we're going to go over NASCAR for our poll winner. And then we're going to go through some NBA games this week, May 2nd at Kansas Speedway. It's the Bushy McBush race. So I have to go Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick is going to be on like, there's always been rumors that NASCAR can be kind of fixed, especially when Richard Petty won, when Ronald Reagan said, start your engines in Daytona. Um, but I'm putting Kevin Harvick at the pole of the Bushy McBush race, because I don't think they're going to like seeing him start in the back. And I don't think Kyle, neither Kyle nor Kurt Bush would win the Bushy McBush race. Although that would be awesome, right? That would be awesome. Bush wins the Bushy McBush race. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going Denny Hamlin. He's, he's been uh, kind of the clubhouse leader to, to win the pole. All right. So there we go. Um, That's by I the did. way, our fantasy NASCAR league is doing very well. I believe um, Steven, or if not the team, Tampa Bay Vipers fan won this week. So we're getting there in the quest for the golden jorts. I explained to one of our players the quest for the golden jorts. The, what the prize is, is our homemade jean shorts. And they, they were speechless. I thought the call dropped. They were so excited. Okay. Three NBA games. Tonight, Connor, 9.30 tip-off, here in a little while, less than half an hour. Warriors, Mavs, who are you taking? Going with the Mavs. 
I'm going the, the unicorn Luca and the unicorn. That sounds like a band name. Luca and the unicorn. Sounds like a children's band name for you and your child. Um, I'm going Warriors in that it's crunch time and you Steph Curry is one of those people you just shouldn't pick against. So I'm going Warriors tonight. Next we have uh they play twice this week, so we're gonna pick what they think the overall record is for them playing each other. Hawks versus 76ers, no Trey Young. So what do you think their record is out of two games? Yeah, no Trey Young, but Ben Simmons and Embiid are a little banged up. Um, I, I'm seeing a split uh, one, going one and one here this week. I have a feeling that the Sixers are going to take this thing and get the two wins, but this is going to be huge for Atlanta to get this down for when they meet in the playoffs. They'll figure out how to take them on when it means more. All no right. Doubt, no doubt. Bring us home. Last game, last game of the week is going to be on Friday night. And that is going to be the top-seeded Jazz versus the Suns. Um, who are you taking going into this? Uh, picking the Jazz. Uh, yeah, I think I think that 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 team is on a mission, and I think that they are. The Suns have lost a couple in a row. You know, I, I could see them start. Or not a couple in a row, pardon me, but a few on their East Coast trip. Tired legs, heavy legs. I could see the Jazz really taking advantage of the Suns. I'm also going to take the Jazz. Love the Suns, but I think the Jazz are just, this is a good year for them. Well, that's it. Yeah. What a show. What a show. What a show. This Thanks, been Stephen, for joining us. And yeah. Shout out to- just so, just so it, it could be in the, uh, in the annals of the picks, Stephen's going, um, he didn't pick the NASCAR race, but he's going Mavericks, uh split and sons so we'll see how that goes it didn't okay i'm taking i don't know about that split steven and i'm that sons is a bold take but we'll see what they do well that's our show big shout out to steven shout out to daniel if you're out here watching us or listening to us tuesday at eight drop comments for us on twitch connor anything before we go for the night keep on watching sports everybody It's a crazy world, but at least you can watch sports. At least there's sports in the world. Well, for that, we're Friends Stream Sports. I'm Rutledge. And I'm Connor. And have a great night. See ya.